welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so grateful and honored that you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have left a review for the show. Here's one from Happy Miss Junk on Apple Podcasts that I love and I want to read to you guys. She says, I admire how real Rachel is in her conversations. She makes you feel like you're having coffee or lunch together and talks with you, not at you. It makes it easier to understand and relate to her stories and advice. If you guys haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate you doing so today. Just be sure to leave your name so I can publicly thank you. Today we get to talk about the fun conversation of labels. And as a counselor, this topic is near and dear to my heart. So I jumped at the opportunity to interview Esther Fleece Allen. CNN has called Allen one of the five women to watch in religion. USA Today has named her one of the new faces of evangelism. And Christianity Today has called her one of the 50 women shaping the church and culture. Esther is a graduate of the Oxford Center of Christian Apologetics, and she's currently in seminary. Her favorite new names are wife and mama, as she's thankful to have a new home with them. I can't wait for you to hear from Esther. So let's jump into that conversation that we had about labels. Well, hey, Esther, welcome to the show. Hey, Rachel, thanks for having me on. I am thrilled to have you on. You have a couple of books now, right? Um, I do. I just came out with my second. So, yes. Your first was No More Faking Fine. Yes. Which, I mean... Come on, my show is Real Talk with Rachel. I think I'm like all over that message. I, <laughs> I, I am going to ask you about that. But today we're talking about your, your newest book. And you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's called Your New Name, Saying Goodbye to the Labels That Limit. And, you know, it kind of is a one-two punch with my book. The first book was really an introduction to the theology of lament. And I feel very passionate about this language of lament that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament but it's missing from a lot of our Christian vocabulary. So I was sharing kind of the story of my own life and how God has met me in every single lament. And the book, you know, not to give it away totally, but the book doesn't really end on a happy note. Like I'm sharing difficulties and my circumstances didn't change. But I kind of teased out this verse from the Psalms that says God puts a new song in our mouth. And it was really interesting because I didn't know at the time that God was going to have me kind of studying and meditating on that word new, but that's kind of what led to this journey of studying our new names, realizing that all of us will go through difficult times, but that that doesn't define us, that God doesn't keep us in that difficult season forever, that that's not part of our new name that goes with us into eternity. And so I just had fun studying what new is in scripture and how meaningful names are. And that was kind of how the book, Your New Name, was birthed. So I love it. You know, when I got the book in the mail and I initially just skimmed through it, now I'm I'm reading more in depth in it. I got all kinds of excited because I'm studying to be a marriage and family therapist and the whole idea of labels and all all the stuff that you have in your book, like the activations and stuff, the reflection. I mean, it's so powerful. So your message is powerful, but then also just some of the stuff that you're breaking off of people and replacing it with, it's just really awesome. So I'm excited to jump in this with you today. Um, I have a lot of questions for you and we have, we don't have a whole lot of time. So I'm going to try to do this as 
as quick as possible and just kind of start from the top, like asking you simple questions like, does God give everyone new names? Yeah, that's a great question. And he does. You know, we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament that there is often a physical name change. Not always, though. You know, some of the disciples had their name changed. Some of them didn't. But there was always a a newness, a spiritual newness that uh, somebody was going from the old to the new. And so we're familiar with how we become new creations when we're Christians, but there's almost like a new identity. Uh, The word new in scripture means not found exactly like you were before. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there's a difference between labels that are pinned on us, or we even pin on ourselves and there's a difference between the new name that God gives us when he saves us. He He calls us forth into something. And many of the name changes are very prophetic in scripture, like Abraham. He was given the name Abraham. It was Abram. And he was told that he was going to be the father of nations. But he and his wife were struggling with infertility. So most likely the label that they took on was we're infertile or, or other lies involved with that. Like they maybe felt broken. They maybe felt really a lot of despair without being able to bear children. But God renamed Abram to Abraham and God renamed Sarai to Sarah. There was a physical name change and it wasn't based on their circumstances or uh, their abilities. It was a prophetic name change for what God had for them in the future. So I think every single one of us will go through, if not a physical name change, we will go through a spiritual name change. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that point that, you know, now in today's day, we don't see that as much a physical name change. So how do we know when God has given us a new name? Yeah, I think that kind of step one is identifying some of those labels. You know, I share in my book, No More Faking Fine, that I was orphaned when I was entering into my teenage years, actually. So I was abandoned by biological parents. I was unwanted. I felt very unlovable. So all these labels were happening to me. And a lot of them are true. I was a victim and there was very unfortunate circumstances that I had to live through. Um, So every single one of us has to identify what labels we associate with. And I believe that that's part of the lament process. We bring those to God and we say, okay, God, I'm orphaned. And I really was, I didn't need to minimize that, you know, minimizing our stories don't bring God any more glory. So I needed to bring that lament to God to say, I'm orphaned. My mother has left me. My father has left me. Like no one is here to care for me. But then who do you say that I am? And I think there's a part two, you know, there's a step two and that's listening to who God says we are. And so the reality is I was orphaned, but that isn't how God calls me. That isn't how God identifies me. In fact, God says that I'm an adopted daughter. God calls me his. God says I have his inheritance, that I take on his name as a Christ follower. So there there comes a point that every single one of us will have to identify what that label is and and agree to not let that become a lie or a root of unbelief. And we have to say, God, who do you see me as? Who do you say that I am? And then we choose to move forward out of that new name. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I'm curious, you know, for somebody who maybe is listening, who they 
they start to realize, oh man, I've been carrying this label that is not who God says I am. What if they've carried it for like 30 years, you know, or, you know, and it's so ingrained in like every part of their being. What do you recommend for them to shift? You know, once God tells them, no, this is your new name for them to, I mean, because I even think about in the Bible when they changed the name, how hard it would have been to get used to hearing that when somebody called you by that new name to even respond to it, you know, because you spent all your life responding to one name and now you're supposed to respond to a new name, you know? Yeah. You know, so many of us, I think, have stories even as far back as elementary school when we were called something on the playground, or maybe we were told that we were a disappointment by our parents. You know, there was a guy friend of mine when I was kind of sharing the concept of the book. And he said, you know, when I was born, my parents always said they wanted a girl. Mm-hmm. And and so they were just so disappointed that he was born a boy. And that like subconsciously has stuck with him that he's struggled with his identity. He's struggled with his masculinity. So there's, I think, deep wounds that some of us have that we're almost afraid to go there. And we're living sometimes subconsciously out of it. Thank God for marriage and family therapists like yourself that help us identify some of those wounds. I think what I would say to your listener is, you know, there's a profound story in the Bible found in the book of Ruth. And Naomi, of course, faced very difficult circumstances. She was widowed. Then she lost both of her sons. And in ancient times, she would have assumed to have been poor because losing your husband was like losing the breadwinner of the family. And so there was widows that were put on Naomi, like um, she was going through this devastation. She was now a widow. She was now poor. You know, she felt like she was too old to be remarried again. So she had the the label of too old. And, and Naomi's given name means pleasant or sweet. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of this grief, she says, you know, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. And the, the, the meaning of the name Mara means bitter. And so she was taking her circumstances and renaming herself. And I think a lot of us do that prematurely. We give ourselves a name or we let somebody else give us a name. The word label hardly appears in the original language. When the word label appears in the Bible, it means somebody calls you something. Naming is way more significant to God. And our names are written in the book of life, not our labels. Mm. And so um, there's there's a process that we all have to go through, whether or not somebody pinned a label on us or whether or not our circumstances have been bitter. Have we chosen, subconsciously or not, to live out of this label, to believe that lie? Or in Naomi's case, her circumstances were devastating. So we don't need to minimize that. But her story didn't end there. Her story didn't end bitterly. God still had sweet and pleasant things for her future. And so I would say to your listener, don't rename yourself prematurely and wait for the name that God has for you. I love that. And I, I also I have to repeat something you said because it's, it's uh, quotable. Our names are written in the book of life, not our labels. That yeah. is so powerful. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about this message that you're sharing here today and in your book is you're bringing it into the light. You know, you're that that's the first step in change is, like you said, sometimes it's just we all have labels that are really just subconscious. You know, we're not even realizing or directing our the way we live and the way we view ourselves and the way we view the world. And and so the power that I see is the original just awareness of you you're you got some false labels that you're wearing around. We need to peel those things off. And, and let the Lord give you a new name. So I just love that you're bringing awareness to this topic. Thank you. Well, you know, I talked pretty early on in the book. I think it's probably in chapter two 
about the difference between sin and transgression and iniquity. And I didn't realize that there's a difference between the three. You know, I think it's a popular phrase to say, oh, all sin's the same. But there really is a difference in scripture and even how we sin and what those sin has, the consequences that, the, that it has. So when I was studying this concept, I was realizing that iniquity is really a bend that you have. And I felt like I was asking me, Esther, what iniquity do you have towards believing about yourself? You know, when I believe I'm unlovable or when I believe I'm unattractive or I'm overweight, you know, I pin these labels on me. Like I am believing these labels more than who God says I am. And so I think a lot of us can have iniquity and we really minimize it. We just don't think it's that big of a deal. But the psalmist says we are to confess our iniquity and our transgressions and our sins to God. And so what ways am I bending my belief towards believing lies and not believing who God says I am? You know, it's not the prosperity gospel. It's just taking God at his word. And if God says that I'm chosen and that I'm lovely and that he adopted me, like it's a sin to believe that I'm forsaken and I'm orphaned. Mm. That's, that's not who I am any longer. That's so powerful to view it that way. And isn't it interesting? It's easier. I'll confess for myself. It's easier to believe things like, oh, I'm such a loser versus the things God says about us. You know, we don't, we don't question the other things, the negative labels at all. We're just like, oh yeah, this must be the truth, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. And that's where I want to see people set free of like this. Again, this isn't a prosperity gospel thing. This is just taking God at his word and believing him and who he says that we are. He calls us saints. You know, he says that we're his adopted children. We're his ambassadors. These beautiful names that God has given us. Like we have the gift to live out of them. And and there's freedom that comes with that, that I want for the reader and for the listener. So, but it, it we have to be aware, like you mentioned, there's, there's responsibility that we have, and that's bringing awareness of our sin and our iniquity to God and letting him speak the truth to us. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned more than once that we have to, it's, it's called taking God at his word. And I think that that really highlights an important part of why it's important to know his word. You know, I think a lot of us are like, well, what is God's word? I'm not real sure. You know, do you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah. You know, I think there is an intimidation when, you know, you don't know the Bible, you know, and you hear people quoting the Bible or you hear pastors that just let it roll off so easily. I think that there can be an intimidation. We've got to move past that and realize that God wants to speak to us through his word. You do not have to go to seminary to understand his word. Like seminary is a great thing. I'm enrolled right now (laughs) and I want to always be learning the word of God, but God's word is living and active and it doesn't return void. And so there is a message that he has for every single one of us when we open his word. You know, to make it more practical, at the end of every chapter, I have a list of labels that lie to us. And I ask the reader, please circle one of these that's applied to you. And then I have a section of, now here are some of your new names. What do you believe? And and I kind of had to fight to keep that in there with the publisher because I was over on page count. That was my fault. But I was like, I don't want people to just skip over so quickly these name changes in scripture and how they came about, I want them to marinate like who God says they are and how God sees them. So let me just read a couple from, I'm just opening to a random chapter, but you know, people are called the ministers of the new covenant, like not just ministers, full-time ministers, but those who are in Christ, they're called ministers of the new covenant. They're called new, they're called a new creation. 
They're called overcomers. It's said that they're pleasing to God. They're seen, they're heard, they're set apart. I mean, these are new names that God has written about us and he has called us these names in scripture and they're there for us for the taking. <laughs> you know, it's it's not only for varsity Christians or super spiritual people that are on staff at church. Like these names are for every single one of us and many of them are already written down. Yeah, I'm so glad you fought for those pages. I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing my first book and I'm the similar thing. I personally feel like the end of chapter reflection stuff is what I think is the most powerful. I mean, of course, you got to have some words in there to explain where you're getting to, but it's requiring people to take action and take responsibility, you know, to not just read what you wrote, but then also to be like, have a moment with themselves and the Lord and go, okay, Lord, how does this apply to my life? So thank you for fighting to keep that part in there because it's really, really powerful. Oh, I appreciate that, Rachel. Thank yeah. you. You know, on the topic of names, my name's Rachel, obviously. <laughs> but if you haven't noticed, if you guys, you know, ever, I don't know who actually looks at podcast cover art, but my name is spelled different than most Rachel's. It has an extra A in there. Thank you, mom and dad. And I used to <laughs> load that when I was a kid. I was like, oh, why am I different? You know, everybody, I, I was used to, anytime you see trinket keychains, they never have the extra A in there. Anytime anybody wrote my name, they always spelled it wrong. So I just got to where I was just used to my name being spelled wrong. But when somebody actually spells it right, for example, you texted me before this podcast and you spelled my name right, I notice it. It's like, mm. I, I feel seen, you know, when somebody, and yeah. those of you listening who spelled my name wrong, no hate, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I get it. You know, I know it's hard, but I feel seen when someone gets my name right. And it, it, it really just makes me see firsthand the power of our name. So I'm curious, why do you think that names are so important? Yeah, that's a great question. And thanks for sharing so vulnerably about that too. I, Esther was never on keychains either. <laughs> and so I really did not like my name growing up. And it wasn't until I really kind of started looking at the book of Esther and the Bible, realizing that she was orphaned and realizing that God used her and she was courageous that I thought, okay, maybe God named me. Like maybe it wasn't just a biological parent thing. Maybe God had a reason for my name. You know, I think names are important. It's such a nuanced answer, honestly. But I think the, the thing that comes to mind is if you look at how much the name of God matters in scripture, like we are told not to take the Lord's name in vain. We're told to pray in the name of Jesus. We are to baptize in the name of Jesus. We're to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Like there is something so powerful about the name of Jesus. And when Daniel was spared in the lion's den, it says that he, when he came out, he praised the name of the Lord. There is something so significant about God's name and doing things in God's name and for the glory of God's name that I think us being made in his, his image, our names are supposed to reflect his names. Our names should point to the name who is above all names. And I think when you look at Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, you see to those who overcome, they're given a new name and that God himself will have new names that we're learning even in heaven. So there is something eternal, again, about our names or something so significant that God sees us. He identifies. It's a sacred identifier to him. And we're not just another number. You know, there's a lot of gods out there that people are worshiping that they don't even know if that God is listening to them. But the God of the Bible and the God of Christianity counts the hairs on our head. 
He knows our name. He cares to write our name down in the book of life. And he says he has new names for us even in heaven. So there's something, there's just something to a name. I think it points to the reverence of his name. Oh, so, so powerful. So for the people listening who earlier, you kind of mentioned that, yes, that God has given all of us a new name, but they're sitting there thinking, I don't know what my new name is, you know, like where, where do I, I'm kind of lost or I don't know what to think about this. Can you give any practical steps that we can take to discover our new name? Absolutely. You know, every chapter I give an example of a different name change in scripture, whether it was Naomi renaming herself incorrectly. Maybe it was Jacob. You know, Jacob was renamed by God in the middle of wrestling with God. And so sometimes we have to just give ourselves permission to wrestle with God. A lot of that was in my first book, No More Faking Fine, that God meets us right where we're at, not where we pretend to be. But every name change in scripture is different. It's fascinating. I was like trying to find a pattern. Like I was trying to find, you know, is there like a formula? Because I think most of us, we just want to know a formula so we can do it. (laughs) And that's just not how God works. He's so individual with every single one of us. And so every chapter I try to outline, here's an example of a different name change. Sometimes people were named like out of love. Sometimes people were named prophetically. Sometimes people were renamed because the meaning that they had, like was son of sorrow, was something that was just downright kind of not life-giving. And so the prophet renamed them. So there's different examples. And I think that that gives us the example that God sees us so uniquely and individually. And so I did have somebody say, well, what, you know, you know me, so what's my new name? And it's like, I I don't. I can't answer that. I mean, go to God for that. Ask God for that. And and again, ask God how he sees you. And I hope the book is just a tool to help the reader on that process of there's so many different ways God can rename us, but our story will likely be different than our neighbor's story and then our spouse's story, then maybe even our pastor's story. And I think it just shows the creativity of God that he wants to speak to each of us how we need it, where we need it, when we need it. I love that you hit on that point about just that you can't tell me my new name. That's between me and God, because I think so often, you know, we do, we can maybe look up to certain Christian leaders and say, well, could you hear God for me? You know, will you seek God for me on this? And you're like, no, I'll teach you how to hear God for yourself, you know, but I'm not going to do it for you. That's between you and God. Yeah. You know, I think I just had the opportunity to speak to a group of leaders at church this past weekend. And and I just, in my preparation, I felt like I needed to encourage them that one of their greatest opportunities as Christian leaders is to help people identify the labels that they're listening to. Mm. And, you know, that's hard. It's hard to to say to somebody, you know what, I, I think you're you're believing this label that you're unattractive and that's not what I see. Like, And that's not how God sees you. But I think that that's where Christians have a a responsibility. I think the same is with our children. I mean, how can we identify the lies that our children are believing, the labels that our children are settling for? And then how can we introduce them to who God says that they are? And how do we show them in the word how God sees them? And I think sometimes, you know, in this like celebrity Christian culture, like we do, we look for those leaders to speak that new name. But we have the opportunity as God's sons and daughters, one of our new names, to go to him directly and to ask him. And I think he wants to speak that over us. And I think when it happens, you don't forget it. You know, I mean, the people that have come up to me and shared with me their new names, I I was, I share a story in the book, actually, when I was teaching 
the concept of the book um, that a woman came up to me who had had an abortion 20 years prior and she just was sobbing. And of course, when she got the words out that she had an abortion, I started crying with her and she said, I've taken on the name murderer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she believed that for decades, like even, even after she came to Christ and she believed, you know, she received forgiveness, like she didn't know that God wanted to rename her and give her a new name. And that also God has a name for her child, you know, who's with the Lord. And so after, you know, talking with this woman, realizing that she is a believer, that she is repentant, that she's asked God for forgiveness, I said, well, let's pray and see if God speaks anything to you. And so we just prayed and there wasn't anything like mystical about it or magical about it. And she lifted her head up at the end of the prayer and says, I'm clean. Mm. Like I'm clean and I, I feel forgiven for the first time. And she just through tears, she couldn't wait to go home because she says, I'm going to be a different mom. She said she was just parenting out of this anger. You know, she just went other, whether she was in PTA meetings or volunteering at the church, she had this like cloak of shame that her name was murderer. So how do we as Christians point people not just to repentance and confession, but how do we also point them into a direction of listening to God for who they really are and what their new name is? And God had forgiven her. Christ went to the cross to pay for that sin. And God didn't want her living out of the name murderer any longer. And I believe it, it not only changed her, but I, it probably changed the atmosphere of their home when she yeah. went home that night. Yeah, because if you think about that murderer, I mean, that has so many other connotations with it and just the, almost like the spirit of death, you know, not to sound like too deep or heavy or anything, but just like that, like you said, the shame and everything. And so, yeah, that would affect every part of her being and then everybody she comes in contact with. So it's a generational, absolutely ripple effect that's so powerful. Well, and you just see so many of us, it's like, it could be a cycle where we just confess and repent, confess and repent, confess and repent. And you just see people in long cycles of even the similar sins or similar belief systems, similar ways of believing about themselves. I've seen it a lot with women who struggle with eating disorders. I mean, they're beautiful. They're beautiful inside and out. And yet they keep going back to this lie that they're unattractive and that they're overweight and that skinny is more beautiful. And so what is it about it? And maybe it's because we're not asking God for our new name. Yeah. Maybe it's because we are confessing and repenting and then that's it. And then we think we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and just fake fine and just get our acts together. You know, instead there is a deeply personal God that cares to speak to us and, and cares to rename us. And again, the naming never comes out of our circumstances. It doesn't come out of our own abilities. It doesn't come out of our past, our sin, our shame. God names us out of his love for us and what he is calling us forward to. There's a forward motion to God's naming of us that gives us hope to live out this Christian identity. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. You know, I can even speak from personal experience. I've, I've had a lot of labels, I believe, but one isn't so much, I guess it is a little bit identity, but it is, I grew up thinking I was always in my mind and been told by several people, oh, Rachel is shy. That was what I was always talked about. I was shy. And so the first time I got asked to speak, I was in college and I got asked to speak at our college campus. My immediate reaction to the pastor is I said, I'm not a speaker. 
when he asked me, I literally said, I'm not a speaker. And he's like, uh, did you want to pray about it? I was like, no, I'm not a speaker. <laughs> like, I just like, that's my thing. Like, I'm not a speaker, you know? And then I kept getting asked, you know, years along the way asked to speak. And I was always just like, no, I'm not a speaker. And finally, God, like very clear as day was like, who told you that? Mm. You know, like who, who told you you're not a speaker? I was like, well, I mean, I, you know, and so it was like this whole thing of him saying, but would you, and he, I'm not going to tell that whole story right now, but he's like, well, would you speak up for the one, you know, the one that, mm. you know, that I need you to, to be a light to. And, and my dad, um, all growing up and even to this day, he calls me the mighty prophecies just between him and I like prophetess. And, and I'm thinking, okay, my father, my earthly father is calling me a prophet. Well, in order to be a prophet, you have to use your voice, <laughs> mm. you know, you have to speak up. And so that was just one example of my life. I'm like, I could tell many, but I'm curious with you, what are some, you kind of hinted at earlier, some of the labels that you believed in that, what, what are some of the new names that God has given you or even just one? Yeah. Well, first, let me just acknowledge that you're in good company thinking you're not a speaker. <laughs> Look at how many people in the Bible would say, oh, Lord, I'm too young or I have a stutter or who's going to listen to me? I mean, so many of God's prophets struggled with that very same thing. And yet God called them a prophet to the nations and God called them to go forth. And it was putting God's name on display. And you're doing the very th same thing. Even with the podcast, you're putting God's name on display. It's not your own name. It's not just for your own glory, you know? And so I'm so proud of you. And that's a great example of overcoming a label that maybe you are shy, but that doesn't define you. And that doesn't disqualify you yeah. from what God is calling you to do. Thank so you. some of the new, yeah, you bet some of the new names I felt like God had given me were names like chosen names, like loved and daughter. There was a season, you know, I, I kind of hid a lot of my pain in um, middle school and high school by achieving. So I was class president from sixth grade all the way through college. And I played sports and I, I worked several jobs because I, I was financially on my own. And so I had to, but I enjoyed work. And so then even as God saved me and I would work for churches, I like almost didn't have boundaries. <laughs> like it wasn't a good thing. I just worked around the clock for the Lord. And I felt like during this name change discovery, God had said to me, I want you to resign because you know how to be an employee of me, but you don't know how to be a daughter. Mm. And, you know, I, I honestly felt like it almost felt like punishment. Like, okay, have I done something wrong or am I not pleasing to you? Sometimes the name change process is a little bit painful because it, it is kind of exposing us and some of our own sin and iniquity. And that's always uncomfortable, but that, you know, I look back to that season. I ended up not working and again, I was like a former orphan that had been financially independent since I was 13. And when God first asked me to resign from my job and from really this, like this just working mentality of go, 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 I thought maybe it'll be three weeks. And then after three weeks passed, I thought, well, I could do this maybe for three months. Like I have enough savings just to last three months. And it was year three that I ended up signing with the publisher after a prolonged season of lament, but it was three years of not working and having to realize I am a daughter of God and that is enough. Like, 
And that alone can get me a book deal. Like it, I don't need to be at the right church or the right ministry or have the right platform. Like I am a daughter of God and he is going to direct my steps and he is going to provide for me and he's going to lead me. So that process of taking that new name daughter was actually more painful than I thought. But I look back and I see it as one of the sweetest times with God and realizing that he loves me no more on my good days than my bad days and realizing that he is a father that I can go to in my celebrations and my laments. But it took me going through a couple years of like really wrestling. Why do you like, especially cause I didn't have that model of a father daughter relationship. Like I would just say to God, like, why do you want me to just be with you? Like, I don't get that. Like, why do you want, like, why do you care so much about all the little details? You know, you have everything else in the world going on. Like, why do you care for me to bring my laments to you? So I look back and it was one of the most beautiful seasons, but in the middle of it, it was really difficult. And I had to fight to believe that new name daughter. I love, I wrote down what you said that, um, when he said to you, cause this was, this was honestly a word for me too, that he wants you to resign cause you've been an employee, not a daughter. Mm. I think that is a just profound statement that many of us can relate to and feeling like we have to earn our worth. We have to earn, earn certain things and not just sit in, I'm a daughter, I'm a son. Like yeah. that's enough, you know, yes. <laughs> that's yeah. enough. And- and in the very beginning of the book, it's, it's, I think it's chapter two. I go through, here's ways that we like to name ourselves. Here's how we label ourselves. And a lot of times it's out of our circumstances. It's out of our successes. Sometimes it's out of negative things that have happened to us, but it's just, that's just not how God names us. He names us because he loves us. You know, we're expecting our second son any week now. And the process of choosing his name is, holy. You know, we're prayerful about it. We want this to be a life-giving name to him and to the people around him. You know, we want his name to put God's name on display. We would never name our son out of our like past mistakes or like we would never name our son in a way that demeaned him or dishonored him or disrespected him. So many of us have such a mixed view of God of like, he's naming us because he's punishing us or you know, he's withholding from us. I know several friends struggling with infertility and they feel like, is God withholding from me? Did I do something wrong? Mm. And so we've got to, you know, develop this kind of backbone with God to say, okay, here's the labels that I'm settling for, but I want to hear who you say that I am. And then asking God to help us live out of that. It's not that we do that in our own strength. You know, it says um, in Romans that we become more than conquerors. And I have a whole chapter about what the name conqueror means. But what the more than conqueror, you know, every word in the Bible means something. So it doesn't just say we're conquerors. It says you are more than conquerors. And what that means is what the enemy threw at you, you are now using for the glory of God. Mm. So where the enemy was trying to take you out, where the enemy was trying to destroy you, you are now using that for the name of God and the glory of God, and that makes you more than a conqueror. There's just beautiful names that God has for us, and I hope that people are encouraged to go to Him and seek Him to hear what they are. Yeah, I love that we're finishing on that, that they're more than conquerors, and that's just so powerful, such a powerful note to end on. Before we hop off here, your first book was No More Faking Fine. Do you want to share just briefly what that is in case people are interested in picking that one up as well? 
Sure. You know, it's really an introduction to this language of lament. Lament is defined as an expression of grief, but I believe when you look at scripture, you can define it biblically as an expression of grief that God meets you in because God never turns away a lamenting prayer. You know, we know that God turns away prayers of the proud and the the self-righteous. We know that men who mistreat their wives, their prayers are hindered, but God does not turn away a lamenting prayer, a prayer of the brokenhearted. Instead, he's deeply attracted to us in our brokenness and he meets us in that. He transforms us in it. He reveals himself. He comforts us. And so um, I kind of am introducing this, reintroducing, I should say, this language of lament because I think it's missing from a lot of our Christian vocabularies, a lot of our Christian prayer times, and even our church services. So you know, I just had a pastor reach out to me and he said, after reading No More Faking Fine, they have now incorporated some element of lament in their church service because he realized we just never talked about it. And so, you know, what do people feel when they're coming in brokenhearted and we're just singing all these happy songs and we're just speaking faith all the time, but they're in the middle of losing somebody or facing death. You know, I think Jesus gives us the example of weeping. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. God, the father has emotions. So if God himself has emotions, and lets us in on those, we do not need to hide our emotions from him. We don't need to stuff them and we don't need to make them look pretty when we go to church. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super passionate about this message of lament. Well, Esther, thank you again for just taking the time to come on today. Before we hop off the show, I would love for you to just share with everybody where they can connect with you online. Sure. Well, Esther Fleece Allen is my social media and my website, estherfleeceallen.com. Allen is actually my new name, speaking of one of my new names. I got married since my first book came out. So Esther Fleece Allen or the book website is yournewnamebook.com and it's available wherever books are sold. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Awesome. And are you on any of the social media sites? I am Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I have an author page there. So I'm probably, mo- I tweet more than anything, okay. which I know is not the cool thing. I know Instagram's where it's at, but um, but I'm on all three. So <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll have that in the show notes. Anything else you want to say before we hop off here? Or are you good? I, I'm good. Uh, Rachel, I look forward to meeting you someday. So yeah. thank you for having me on. And I really do look forward to meeting you. Thank you. Something tells me that as you listen to that conversation with Esther and I, God downloaded a new name in your heart. Would you be brave enough to share that with me? You can do so via the review you leave on Apple Podcasts, or you can do so over on social media at Rachel J. Gilbert. Hey, and a big special thank you to Loved and Blessed. They've been a huge supporter of this show since day one. If you're able, please visit their website, find a box to give to someone who could use some encouragement in their mailbox. Just head to lovedandblessed.com to shop. Don't forget to be entered to win free goodies. Just text the phrase Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one word, to the number 44222 on your cell phone. I randomly select winners for the guest books and just by being on that list, you are entered to win. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.